All right, I want you to notice what it says in verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. One thing that is very obvious this is just a simple fact. We all know, we all know this passage, but that is Jesus Christ ought to come first in everything. He ought to have preeminence in everything. He should be the first thing that we think about, the first thing that we should focus on when it comes to uh, our church and how we run things, what would please Christ. When it comes to how we raise our families and how we run things in our homes, the very first thing we should think is how would this please Christ? He should be first in everything. When we think about our government, the first thing we should think about is what does Christ think about this? He ought to be preeminent in everything. He ought to be the focal point in everything. He should be what we're all thinking about. We should be wondering what his reaction is to everything. And unfortunately, many times we just kind of let Christ take a back seat in everything. And I'm afraid, and, and, and you know, this is something we need to constantly remind ourselves of. But folks, there's no doubt Christ is not having the preeminence in our country and even in churches today and even in our own individual lives and how we operate and how we think. We are not putting him first. And everybody knows, everybody knows we're supposed to do this. This is just a, a simple fact that we all understand. But yet when it comes to practicing it, it's real easy to get sidetracked. It's real easy to get distracted. And what made me think about this is I was thinking about this week when, you know, after it started looking like that the election was going to go to Biden, I started noticing, you know, especially from my Fox News Baptist friends, as I like to call them, I started noticing like all these tweets and posts about how we better pray, you know, and about how, you know, the Lord's still on the throne. And it was like, you know, we need to, we need to call on the Lord right now. I mean, they're like, you know, they're like, you know, Christians, we've got to, we've got to call on the Lord right now. I mean, it's, it's looking like our president's going to lose his, his seat and Biden's going to get it. And, you know, we need to pray now, folks. And I'm thinking, you mean we didn't before? You know, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, there's like this urgent call being put out there to pray because things aren't going the way. And I'm thinking, good night. I mean, I mean, yes, I do think there's an urgent need to pray right now, but would there not be an urgent need to pray if it was Trump that won? You know, do we, you know, did, did we not need to pray for the last four years? I mean, that's kind of what it felt like when I was listening to some of the sentiments people were putting out there and things that people were saying. It's just like, have you people lost your mind? What made you think we weren't in an urgent, desperate need of prayer already? Have you not been alive in 2020 and seen what's going on in this country and see what has happened in this current administration? With that? I mean, folks, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it was like all of a sudden, and, and here's what freaked me out about this. When I, cause, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, okay? I had a preferential outcome of this election. You know, I preferred that it go to Trump over Biden. I'll just admit it right now, okay? I, I, I have, I have, a, listen, I have an opinion on everything. And, you know, I, I like for my opinion to be known. And, you know, I, I'm just gonna tell you right now, 
I went out. I got the I voted sticker. I wore it on my forehead the rest of the day just to annoy my family. I wore it on my forehead. like, And some people think I got the mark of the beast because I went out and voted. I don't care. When I went to bed, I took it off. It was kind of start, it was starting to annoy me. I, I forgot it was there several times, and I kept noticing Kelly would look at me real funny. And, and uh, But anyway, thought about posting on social media just to make people's heads explode. I didn't do it, though. But anyway, their heads will explode for me just admitting it. But e- e- either way, all right, you know, e- either way, when it, when it comes to these things, you know, there's definitely been a, a desperate need for prayer. And yet all of a sudden when I started seeing people like, we better call on the Lord because it's not looking good for Trump, I started thinking, but wait a minute, that's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us looking to him. The Lord wants us calling him. I'm going to show you, too. We're going to see some examples of the Bible. The Lord doesn't like when he takes a back seat to anything. He should be first in everything. And the thing is, if a Trump presidency means we're not thinking about the Lord as much, who do we think the Lord's going to probably want in office? He's probably going to want the other guy in office if that's what's going to get people looking to him because who's really in control of things? It's not the president. It's the Lord that's in control of these things. And I'm thinking, people, you're crazy. If you, if you wanted to influence the Lord, you should have been like, you know, we desperately need you, and, you know, when it was Trump in office. But unfortunately, they're making it like now we need him, like he's the backup since Trump's not going to be able to save us. Now we need the Lord to save us. And that's the sentiment I was getting. That was, the, And I know nobody really thinks that, but that was the way people were acting. And that's the way that we act. When it, and I'm telling you, if a Biden presidency is making you pray more than you were before, then you know what? You're out of line the last four years. If you think, I'm going to pray more now that we got Biden off instead of Trump, you are out of line. You should have prayed more when it was, it shouldn't matter. Because you understand that the most high rule is in the kingdom of men. And I get it. An election and what the people choose, when it, especially when it's a bad choice, it can show the heart of the country. It can show the direction of the country. And I do think a lot of things that got voted for should disturb us. And it shows that we're not going the right way in our country. But at the end of the day, who's going to turn that around? It's, it's going to be God's, it's God's people. God's going to turn around when we get right with him. That's what's going to turn things around. So to me, an election, it's a good way to see a spiritual evaluation of our country. And you know what? Our report card stinks. And that's kind of what it is. And so the problem isn't so much the outcome of an election. It's the fact we have a real spiritual problem. And you know what? A Trump presidency, a re-election, wouldn't necessarily meant we got an A either. Okay? I hate to tell you that. In fact, the choices that we had prove we got a pretty low rating on our report card. <laughs> okay, uh, that, that that ought to tell you something right there. But either way, you know, we you know we've got to we we need to forget that, or we shouldn't look at you know Biden being president as something that now causes us to need to be crying out to look. Because folks, even if it was George Washington that got elected again with Thomas Jefferson as his VP, we still need to be calling on the Lord. We, we still need to be praying to the Lord. But a lot of times Christians too, they get so caught up in a political candidate that when they get their political candidate, they, do, they forget about the Lord. I mean, it's like, all right, America's going to be great again. Because 
We got, we got Trump. And that, we should know better than that. We should know better than that. And I'm afraid way too often Christians, it's like we're using God as a backup plan when we have no other options. And folks, that's what's, gonna, that's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna go on now. And it's a good thing. Okay, I think it's good that Christians are going to probably be praying more, that they're gonna be looking to God more. I think that's a good thing, but why did Biden have to get elected for that to happen? Why did why does a Biden win cause us to now have emergency prayer meetings? I mean, we I mean, shouldn't we have already been doing that? But now we're going to do it. It's almost as if people were looking to Trump to preserve this country and save this country. And I think that's a shame. I think that's I think that's wrong. And so people have this attitude that when everything fails, pray. But you know what? We ought to pray first. You ought to pray first before we try anything else. So let's look at some passages of Scripture here. I'm going to jump around. You don't have to turn to all these, but if you want, you can write them down. And just to show us how God feels about being put behind anything. Okay? How about Exodus 20, verse 3, the first of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay? God's first. He's the number one authority. Not just as in a deity too, but even when it comes to any authority. God's authority comes before all other authorities. There are many authorities that we all have in our life. God has placed many different authorities over us. But God is before all of those authorities. And we should never forget that. We should never put our, the, the authority that the government has, the legitimate authority even that the government has, it should never go before God. We obey God rather than men. We have men as our authority, but God comes before them. We're not going to have any other God before God. That is the first of the Ten Commandments. We see in Matthew 10, 37, Jesus is speaking, and he said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hey, folks, God wants you to love your mother and father. God loves you, wants you to love your son and daughter, but you should love God more than them. They should, God should come before them. He deserves that. Why? Because by, we, we read it in Colossians 1, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Where do you, how do you think you got your kids? The, the life you have, the air you breathe, Everything you have, it comes from God. It is a creation of God. And if you allow anything to, uh, that God has made to come before him, God's going to be jealous and he has every right to be jealous. He gave you these things. He created these things. He made them. And you're going to put those things before him. That is wrong. That's a shame. God's not going to be okay with that. It says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. God didn't want him to, God didn't just throw this law out there and say, here's a law, keep it on the books, you know, and put a reminder out there every once in a while. He said, no, here's the law. It's in the books, but I don't want it just in the books. I want it in your heart. You get it in your heart. And he said, and he went on to say, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets 
between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. What's God saying here? He's like, he's saying, I don't want you to forget this stuff, folks. I don't want you to forget about the fact that I'm supposed, you're supposed to love me the most. I want you to love me, and I don't want you to just know you're supposed to love me. I want you to actually love me from your heart. I want you to talk about me. I want you to talk about my words. I want you to write these things down. I want them on the doorpost of your house. I want them all over the place. Why? Because God should come first. And I'm afraid too many times we only think about God on Sundays. You know, we only think about, and thank God, you know, that we have a time and a place where we come together and we focus on God and we worship, we sing praises to God, we read from the Word of God, we listen to the preaching about the Word of God, we talk about God, but... I mean, folks, there are seven days out of the week, not one or even two. God wants to be first in all these things. He wants to be preeminent. He should be what you start your day out with. You you should start your day with the word of God. You should start your day with prayer. That comes first. That should be the priority. And even if, if that can't work, you know, a lot of times you have schedules that are weird. But either way, even if it's not necessarily the first thing you do when you wake up, it should be first on your list of priorities. And we all have priorities in our life. And God should always be number one. God doesn't like to be put before anything. And you know, again, just because we put God first, just because we love God more, it doesn't mean we can't love anything else. It doesn't mean we can't devote time and have affection on other things as long as God's first. And folks, you know, it's it's okay. It's okay if you care about our leaders, you're concerned who our leaders are. It's okay if you even love our leaders a little bit and and want to pray for those things as long as you don't love them more than God. It's okay if you even find some security in who our leader is as long as you mainly and first find it in the Lord. Because the thing is, if God is the main source of your security, is the main source of your peace, then... It doesn't really matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's in leadership. Well, all right, I wanted this guy to be the president, but you know what? Jesus is still king of kings. So I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to be fine. But if you have a concern for that, okay, or a desire for a certain outcome, it doesn't mean you don't love God. Okay, just like, you know, when you say you love your country, people want to say, well, I love God. You know, and it's like, I still love God, okay? And I love my country, but I love God more than I love my country. And that's okay. That's okay as long as God is first. He, God always needs to be the priority. When it comes to this church, we want to please him first. But you know, I do as a pastor, I want to please all of you, but I want to please God first. And so if there's something that might conflict, like maybe preaching this, it will please God, but it won't please the church. Well, you know what? I got to please God. But that doesn't mean I can't want to please all of you. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? You know, who doesn't want to be, you know, to make people happy? But And it's fine to do that, but God comes first. When it comes to how we live our life, you can do what you want to do. If you have hobbies, if you have interests, if you have things that bring you joy, go, by all means, do those things as long as on your priority list, the things of God come first. If you like hunting, by all means, go hunt. If you like golfing, go golfing. Do those things that you like doing, but don't let those things come before God. As long as you keep him the priority, 
then it's okay. If you have, if you have those other things, I mean, God's put a lot of these things on our, on earth for us to enjoy. And if you have fun with those things, great. Just keep him the priority. It's okay if you have your own philosophies. Okay. We all have our philosophies, our ways that we think, you know, our preferences and all that. But at the end of the day, if what you, your philosophy contradicts what the Bible says and we go with what God says. I mean, this is what I think, but, you know, I, I do think punch your enemies is a better thing to do, but at the same time, God says love your enemies, so we love our enemies, even if we don't, even if we don't like it, okay? Because my philosophy, I can have my philosophy, but it, I'm going to make sure it takes a back seat to what God says. And a lot of times, too, it's like people that are out there, they, act, they try to be so hardcore and everything that it's like they lie to themselves and are just phonies and it's like they hate everybody and don't love anything because they just love God. It's like, no, listen, it's pretty normal for a person to love their family. That's okay. And to love your father and mother, that's pretty normal, isn't it? And, you know, and the thing is, but there's another verse where Jesus said, you know, we're to, to hate them. But that means, too, and, that, and I've, I've showed this before, it just means to love them less. We love God more than we love our mothers and fathers, more than we love our sons and daughters. But it's okay if you love them too. And it is okay if you love your country. It is okay if you love your city, if you love, but as long as we love God more, that is the key. And if you, and, and a lot of times when people try to act like they just don't love anything, it's just them being fake and weird and phony and, and nobody's buying it. But look what it says in, turn over to Exodus chapter four. Because truth is, there are plenty of areas in our life where I believe it's okay uh, for us to do our own thing, okay? It's okay for us to do our own thing. It's okay for you to be your own person. I mean, God God gave you the personality he gave you for a reason. You know, God has put you through things. You know, all of our personalities, the way we are, it's based on what we've experienced, what we've been through in our life, and it's different for all of us. And we're all going to have our areas where we are unique, okay? Another thing that mistake people make a lot of times is they quit being themselves and they just try to copy somebody else, okay? That's a bad idea too. You are not that person, so don't try to be that person. It's okay if you learn from them and even are influenced by them, but, you know, don't, imi- you know, don't imitate them. You know, that's, that's not what you're supposed to do. And uh, look, But look, look what it says in Exodus 4. Okay, because we should always take a back seat to what God wants. So it says, and Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Moses, he had no desire to be a leader to be a speaker, this was not something that he was good at. I, th- I think he was telling the truth when he said, I'm not eloquent. I don't think he was lying. I think he was probably just stating a fact. I, th- I think he was expressing his will to God and letting him know this was not something that he wanted to do. But at the end of the day, Moses ended up doing what God wanted. And, but notice what God told him, how God said, who hath made man's mouth? God's telling Moses, hey, I'm the one that made your mouth. If you're not eloquent, it's because I didn't make you eloquent. 
But it doesn't matter what your qualifications are and what you even like. Here is what I want you to do. Is what God's tell is what God's telling Moses. And God told him, He's He said, You just go and I'll be with your mouth. And thankfully, that's exactly what Moses did. And you know, it's okay. There's going to be, we all have things that we enjoy doing. And thank God, if you're blessed enough and God allows you to do something that you enjoy doing. If you're, if you're working a job that you, and you enjoy that work, you know, thank God for it. You know, that, that's a good thing. You know, maybe God put that in your heart. He gave you the skill to do that kind of thing. But you know, there might come some times in your life where the Lord wants you to do some stuff that you don't really want to do. And we've all had to do stuff and we've all had to work jobs and, uh, just deal with things that we didn't really want to do, but it was what we, you know, had to do at the time. It was what the Lord wanted for us then. And when that happens, you know what you should do? You should delight yourself in that. When the Lord has you in a place in your life that's not necessarily your preference, go ahead and let the Lord know what you want to do. I mean, if you do, if you hate your job, go ahead. The Lord knows it. Tell him, say, Lord, I hate this job. I want to do this. But at the same time, like Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. But you know what? I will do this job for as long as you need me to do it. But it's not, it doesn't change the fact that you have a will, don't you? And it's okay for you to have a will. It's okay for you to have desire. It's okay for you to have goals. It's okay. I mean, maybe your, maybe your desire is to be a millionaire. Eh, I can understand why somebody would want to be a millionaire. I'd like to be a millionaire. I don't even know how I would do it. Even if I got out of the will of God, I don't know what I could do to become a millionaire. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't have the ability. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those preachers. I could have been a millionaire if I hadn't decided to serve the Lord. Even if I hadn't decided to serve the Lord, I wouldn't have been a millionaire. I, I, I don't think I have any of the skills, abilities, and I, I, I wouldn't know what to do. So um, I'm just going to serve the Lord anyway. But, you know, I, I hate when preachers say that. that is, that's one of my pet peeves. But at the same time, if that's what you want, you know what? Go ahead and want it. You don't have to pretend, but just promise yourself and the Lord that you'll do what he wants you to do first. And who knows? The Lord might want you to be a millionaire. I mean, I wouldn't care if we had a few millionaires in the church. It would be my will for you to be a millionaire as long as you stay faithful to church and giving. I'd be all, I'd be all for that. You know, you won't hear anything from me about that. I won't preach against millionaires unless you become a millionaire and then you get out of church. Then all of a sudden we got a problem. But, but either way, you know, I'm saying all that to say it's okay for you to like things. It's okay for you to want things and have desires. Just always make sure they take a back seat to what God wants. And if God hasn't showed you what you want, he wants, then, you know, go ahead and go for what you want. But in the meantime, we just keep God the priority. He's preeminent. He is preeminent. We've got to keep it that way in all things. Look, go ahead and turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 16. God always needs to be the one that we look to first in any problem. Okay, if we're thinking about, you know, our our economy needs fixed, we don't think about a political candidate first. We think about the Lord first. When it comes to, you know, keeping us safe. You know, from COVID-19, we don't look to the politicians first. We should look to the Lord first. Now, if you want to look to a politician, you're not in sin for doing that as long as you keep God first, as long as he is preeminent. In Second Chronicles 16, verse 12, it says, And Asa, in the 30 and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord 
but to the physicians. So it's like, wait a minute, are doctors now bad? No, I don't think it's wrong to have a doctor, but you know what? We should go to God first. And I don't, you know, Jesus himself said, they that are whole need not a physician, which tells me they that are not whole do need a physician. It's okay for you to go to a doctor if you need to, but at, this, but at the same time, is that where you get your hope from? Because what, what, what do you do when you get the bad news from the doctor? Do you immediately give up? Or do you still have hope that the Lord could take care of it? And so I don't believe this passage is teaching us that doctors are wrong, but the problem was that he put the doctors before he put the Lord. And we shouldn't do that. God comes first. Isaiah chapter 47, if you want to turn over there. Isaiah chapter 47 and verse 12. This is here is a prophecy against Babylon because of their treatment of Israel. God actually used Babylon to punish Israel, but when Babylon did punish Israel, they were cruel uh, to them. Uh, they, were, they were mean to them. And as a result of it, they got judged too. And it says in Isaiah 47, 12, Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be, thou shalt be able to profit. If so be, thou mayest prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from this thing that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be a stubble in the fire. Uh, The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a cold, a warm app, nor fire to sit before it. Thus shall they be unto thee from whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander everyone to his quarter. None shall save thee. You know what God's saying here to Babylon? He's basically taunting him a little bit here and saying, you know what? Look to your monthly prognosticators. Look to your sources. Look to all these people. Look to your enchantments. See if they can save you. You know why he did that? Because these were their gods. These were the ones that they looked to. They were the first ones that they thought about. And God's pretty much taunting him here saying, go ahead and look to those things and see if they can save you. But because Babylon was cruel to Israel the way they were, you know, God prophesied that they were going to be destroyed. They were going to be destroyed quickly. And that's what happened uh, during Belshazzar's reign. God ended up destroying them. I listened to somebody one time, and it was funny, using Babylon's treatment against Israel, how God used them to punish Israel as an excuse to treat other people badly. And I remember thinking, you really need to read more of your Bible because yes, God did use them to punish Israel, but the Babylonians also were cruel in their treatment. And because of that, God punished them. So you know what? You don't, don't be cruel to people, all right? Don't be mean to people. Sometimes things need to happen, but it's just, it's, it's weird the way people use the Bible to justify bad behavior. It's, it's a very common thing. But you know, God said, you know what? You were, you were cruel. You were wrong. You followed after all these other things that are not me. See if they're going to be able to help you now. And you know what? They didn't help them. God destroyed them. And you know, I'm afraid what we're seeing a lot of times happen, and I think what we're seeing happen in America, is we're having all these problems in our country, and everyone, even Christians, are looking to politicians. And we're forgetting about the Lord. And again, it's okay if you look to politicians as long as you don't look to them before the Lord, as long as you don't put greater emphasis on them than the Lord. Obviously, 
we need leaders. You know, God has appointed leaders and we're supposed to have these things, but when they become a bigger deal than God, we're out of line, we've got a problem, and I'm afraid that's where it is. And so God has put people in our lives that can be a help to us, but we should always go to God first. For example, too, you know, as a pastor, I want to be a help. You know, if, if counsel is needed, I want to be available to counsel. But, you know, you should never come to me for counsel when you haven't even prayed to God yet. You know, whenever, if, if I'm who you come to first, you know what? You're out of line with me. Because, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, because if some, when people come to me for counsel, and a lot of times, sometimes we just need encouragement, help, whatever, it, it's fine. But again, if you haven't even talked to God, if you haven't even prayed about it, you know, and sometimes we still need that, you know, and a multitude of counselors are safety. But it's amazing how many times people, they never even thought about praying about it. Ever think about praying about this? No. You know, well, that should have been the first thing that you did, right? You know, people like me, we should come after that. You know, most people said they don't even pray about their health issues until a doctor tells them they can't do anything. You know, I'm having all these health problems. I'm hoping I'll be okay. And it's like, you go to the, you know, it's not until after the doctor tells you we can't do anything, then we pray. Why didn't you pray first? You know, why did you pray? The Lord, the Holy Spirit might lead you to go to a doctor. You know, he might do that. It's okay, but we should always just go to him first. All these things I'm talking about, they're not all bad, but if any of them will be bad, if they come before God, I will be bad if I come before God. So we've got to make sure we keep him preeminent. So another thing we need to do, we need to make sure that we stay in fellowship with God, staying in fellowship with God always needs to be the highest priority. Okay, and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Samuel 28. Y'all want to see a contradiction in the Bible? I'm going to show you a contradiction in the Bible, and we're going to see what we can do with this to make it all fit. Okay, because this looks like a contradiction when you see it. Okay, so 1 Corinthians, or uh, 1 Chronicles 10, 13, it says, So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquire not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom of kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. So Saul, one of the reasons God killed him is because he did not inquire of the Lord and he went to a witch. Okay? Keep your finger there. 1 Samuel 28, verse 6 says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So wait a minute. My King James Bible says, Saul got killed because he didn't inquire of the Lord and he inquired of a witch. But then here it says he inquired of the Lord and the Lord didn't answer him. So then he inquired of the witch. What's going on here? Do we have a contradiction? Well, of course, the Bible's always right. But here's the thing you got to understand. Just because God hadn't answered yet didn't mean he wasn't going to answer. You understand that? 
Yet he inquired of the Lord. But did you know sometimes it takes a while for God to answer? Sometimes, I mean, we see the example of Daniel when he prayed that it, I forgot how long it was that it took for Gabriel to get to him because, or uh, Michael, because he got held up by the prince of Persia. Sometimes things take time. You know what Saul's problem was? Saul was impatient. Saul was rebellious because here's another thing you have to understand too. Going to a witch is not an option. Y'all understand that? That's not an option. Going to a witch is not an option. That was a very specific command. They weren't supposed, in fact, Saul had even made it a law that they weren't allowed to have witches in the land. And yet he goes to her anyway. You know what that was? That was Saul being rebellious. Remember what God or what Samuel uh, told Saul after his uh, rebel his rebellion? It said that the Lord's great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. His rebellion was like the sin of witchcraft. And I think it's interesting how he rebelled against God and went to a witch. But here's why the Lord here. So the thing is, the problem was that he didn't even give God a chance to answer because going to a witch is not an option. So it would be like me if I'm trying to decide, I'm trying to make a decision. Okay, maybe I've got an enemy and I just want this enemy out of my life and out of my way. And I pray to the Lord, Lord, take care of my enemy. And then the next day, the Lord hasn't taken care of him, so I go shoot him. Okay, now, did the Lord not answer my prayer, or was the Lord not going to answer my prayer? Okay, well, I don't know. Here's the one thing I do know. I'm not allowed to murder anybody. That is not an option. That is rebellion. And for all I know, God may have been working on that prayer. God may have started something, but I rebelled. And so King Saul, just him going and inquiring of the Lord and trying a couple times, and then just to immediately go to a witch when he didn't get an answer right away, I don't believe was you know justified in him inquiring of the Lord. You, what, part of inquiring of the Lord is you have to go to him and be willing to accept his answer and sometimes be willing to wait for his answer. Saul did neither of those things. And the Lord might have wanted, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the Lord would have answered Saul, but he might have made him wait until the battle. You know, sometimes the Lord waits until the last second to answer. Isn't that what happened when the children of Israel were backed up against the Red Sea? I mean, they were backed up. They were trapped. It was too late. But then when it was too late, God, sometimes in fact, God is late. For example, when Lazarus died. But yet, even though Lazarus was dead and God was too late, God still took care of that, didn't he? And so when it came to this situation here with Saul, the problem is, he, yeah, he inquired of God, but he didn't because of the fact that he just went and asked when he didn't get the answer, when he wanted, he goes to a witch. That is not an option. That is not acceptable. That is not okay. And so I don't believe we're seeing a contradiction here in the Bible. The problem that Saul had is Saul was, out, he was out of fellowship with God. Saul was out of fellowship with God. And as a result of it, it ended up hurting him. See, Saul was trying to use God as a tool for when he needed him. And you know, that's what a lot of people do. They see, they look at God as a tool that is there for us when we need him, 
not realizing that he is preeminent, we should be the tool available when he needs us. That is the attitude that we ought to have. And Saul was not in fellowship because Saul didn't want what God wanted. Saul didn't have the attitude like Jesus of not my will, but thine be done. Saul decided, I want an answer from God. I want an answer that's going to go good for me. I want an answer right now. God didn't give it to him when he wanted. It didn't mean he wasn't going to do it. He just didn't do it right then. So Saul rebels, goes against the law of God, goes against the work, goes against the law of the land, one that he made, and he goes and he inquires of a witch. That was a wicked thing. That was a very wicked thing to do. And what a lot of people, the way they are today, when it comes to prayer, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to pray, and if God doesn't do what I want him to do, then I'm going to go try something else. No, we've got to determine we're doing God's will no matter what. Pray and tell God what you want. But don't be like, well, all right, I'm going to pray, but if the Lord doesn't give me what I want, I'm not going to church anymore. No, that's not how that works. Okay, Go ahead and tell God what you want, but do whatever be willing to wait and do whatever he says no matter what don't be like all right I, I'm, i've got a need i've got a decision i need to make i need the lord to help me i'm going to pray but if the lord doesn't make it clear i'm going to a fortune teller that's not okay listen sometimes you know god's guidance comes at the last second sometimes it, it comes it never comes when we want it i want to pray and then i want to stand up just being enlightened and knowing exactly what to do isn't that how we all are? That's what I want. But that might not be what God wants. See, when we are in a situation like that, when we're in a difficulty, when we need guidance, we should pray first and then wait for God and accept what God does and do it with the attitude, not my will, but thine be done. Because he is preeminent. By all means, tell God what your will is. Even Jesus did that. Even Jesus went and he prayed and he asked for something that was his will and that it was not the will of God. He asked it to be possible to let that cup pass. But you know what? Jesus put the Father's will above his own will. He made God the preeminent one in that situation. And thank God that he did that. And that needs to be our attitude because, again, God is first. It doesn't mean we don't have a will. It doesn't mean we don't have a desire and things in our life. But what we're going to do, we're going to make sure he's preeminent. And so we're going to pray. And then when we pray, when we inquire of God, we wait on the Lord. And in the meantime, while we're waiting, we obey his commandments and we do what he says. And we decide we will accept his outcome. We will accept what he gives because his will is what's far more important than our will. And we need to get a hold of this. God has no problem, I believe, letting things get bad if that's what it takes to get people to turn to him. And so, listen, God can handle Biden. If he can handle Nebuchadnezzar, he can handle Biden. Hey, let's say, well, no, he, he's too far gone. He's reprobate. Well, remember what God did with Herod? When he was speaking and they said it's a voice of a God and he didn't give God the glory, he was eating the worms right there. I mean, man, wouldn't you love to watch some of our leaders get eaten the worms? I, I know I would. I, I, I'd, be, I'd be blessed. Maybe if we were right with him as a people, maybe if we weren't standing there saying it's a voice of a God, you know, and we're praising him. And you know what? I get it. God killed Herod with worms then. But you know what? I think God's going to do sometimes with us. He might just say, fine, you think he's a God. I'm going to let him have his will. I'm going to let him get his agenda through. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'll give you people everything you want. We see God do that a lot with people in the Bible. God would give the people what they wanted. That's what happened when Saul became king. It wasn't God's will for Saul to be king, but the people demanded a king. So God told Samuel, okay, let's give the people what they want. But wait, wouldn't that mess up God's plan? Listen, Saul wasn't capable of messing up God's plan. And God's got a plan. God's got an agenda. We all know where this thing is ultimately heading. Nothing is going to change that. And God can work with any of the candidates. God can work with any president, any leader in any country. God's got all that under control. And in the meantime, what we need to do as Christians is we just need to make sure that we never forget that God is the preeminent one. Otherwise, God might allow us to go through some difficulties to get our focus back on him. And I I would prefer God not have to use that method with me. I would prefer to keep him preeminent while things are good and hopefully things will stay good. Hey, if God needs them to get bad, that's fine. That's not my will. That might be his. And if it's his, his will comes first. But in the meantime, I'm not going to encourage this attitude of God as the backup. I'm not encouraging that. I want to keep him preeminent. And if we allow Republicans to take the place of God, God will get them out of the way. God always removes other gods. Always. And I think if Baptists really love their precious Republican Party, they better put God back in the front seat. And let the Republicans ride in the back of the bus. That's exactly what they need to do. And I, I think we all know this. I think I don't think there's a Baptist in the world. I don't think that I don't. You take your most hardcore Fox News Baptist in the world. I think you'd agree with everything I said in this message. But that doesn't mean we're living this. It doesn't mean that we're practicing this. And the Lord might want to give us a kick in the pants to get us back on the right track. And so uh, what I think everybody needs, needs to do is get back on the right track and maybe things will turn around in this, <laughs> and, and, you know, and get Trump back in office. Well, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe, check this out. Maybe Biden will be a good president. <laughs> hey, Nebuchadnezzar turned out good. And, and he, that guy was a beast for seven years. Think about that. And he, and he, still, he still came around. Darius got some things right. Uh, you know, Cyrus, king of Persia, he's the one that commissioned him to go back and rebuild the temple. You think those? You think you think our guys are more far gone than those guys were? You know, I, I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that for sure. I know it sounds funny, but you all laughed. But you know what? Sarah laughed when God said she was going to have a child. So you know what? You all, because you laughed at that. I feel like I got a message from the Lord right now. Biden's going to be the best president this country ever had. We're just going to teach all of you that. That'd be cool. That'd be cool if that happened. But but either either way, either way, let's keep Christ preeminent. Keep, let's keep him preeminent in this church. You keep him preeminent in your life. When it comes to your political philosophy, your family philosophy, whatever it is, you know, have your likes, have your opinions. Do what you want to do, but always keep it in the back seat and keep God in the front. Keep him first. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word and the promises that we have. I pray, Lord, help us not just to know these things and have them in our head, but help us to live them every day in our life and help us to remember that ultimately uh, you are first and you are on the throne. And so help us to take comfort in that and to uh, do the right thing. Uh, no matter what's going on, help us to 
Always keep your will above our own. In your name we pray. Amen.